Hello, my name is Katie Bulmer, and this is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. I'm so excited about today because we are taking a look back. So I'll be honest, this is kind of hard for me. I am a typical Enneagram 3, which is the achiever, if you know anything about the Enneagram. I'm always looking for the next thing. I have already recorded several episodes for our upcoming year. I'm like, what's next? What's you know, what's on the horizon, but I have a good friend, thankfully, (laughs) who keeps me grounded. And she was like asking me, you know, what were your top episodes last year? And I'm like, I don't even know, but good question. So I took the time to look back and these were such incredible human beings that I had the pleasure of talking with. And we just had such great conversations. I wanted to do an episode highlighting the best of the best. So this whole podcast episode is going to be clips from our top five downloaded episodes of 2020. And this was so fun for me, honestly, because in case you don't know, I'm kind of a one woman show over here. I record, edit all the things when it comes to the podcast. So when I was going back and listening to some of these episodes and pulling the highlights from them. I was like reliving the conversations and it just brought me so much joy too. So without further ado, the best of the best on the Truth For Your 20s podcast of 2020. That is a lot of times saying 20. (laughs) Here we go. Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be, on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. I'm so excited about this. I feel like I am about to give you guys a present that I spent a lot of time shopping for or something. But we're going to go in opposite order. So these are the top five downloaded episodes and coming in at number five. And I'm especially excited about this one because Sarah Maddock and I have actually become real life friends because of the online world and because of the opportunity to meet her through this podcast. And she lives in Nashville. I'm in Chattanooga. It's only about two hours away. But this amazing girl is incredible. She is TikTok famous. You should definitely follow her if you're not already. But essentially, she didn't even know that she had this skill of rapping. She was a songwriter. She helped authors find their voice and, you know, get discovered for writing. We should definitely check the whole episode out if you are interested more in that. But essentially, she just started these funny little rhyming raps like the she calls herself the female version of Weird Al Yankovic but 
anyway, you, you can't help but love this girl. Like I said, we got to meet in real life. My daughters, this is, this might make me teary. My daughters like fangirl over her too and started making their own little raps. And that is such a big deal because we have one daughter who struggles writing and she has been writing her own raps thanks to the inspiration of Sarah. Mm, all the feels. She has blown up in popularity. She's collaborated with incredible people like the creator of Phineas and Ferb. No big deal. And so many other big names you have heard of, but you are about to listen to her very first podcast episode. Yes, right here on Truth For Your 20s. Just love this girl and you guys are going to love her too. It's episode 35 and we titled it after Sarah's life mission, how to not take yourself too seriously. Okay, I need to hear all about the hippo song. <laughs> like, what in the world? And now it's on Spotify and like a whole thing. So tell me the story. This is such a cool story. I can't believe I haven't even told it to you. Like I haven't even emailed no, you tell about me. it at any point. Oh my gosh. Okay, so it's so funny because like I said, what I do on TikTok is I, I, I made a video. And I said, hey, comment below your song ideas. Like I can write a 30 second rap in like, 15 to 30 minutes. That's my thing. And I'm like, just give me random ideas. And then someone commented, you know, uh, doing about a hippopotamus and an orange. And I was like, oh, interesting. Hmm. Uh, and so actually part of my process that's kind of interesting is you would normally think, okay, immediately think of rhymes for orange and hippopotamus. But first I start You're thinking. Of, <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, but first I start thinking about, um, words that are associated with it, like, okay, vitamin C, okay, a zoo, okay, you know, I, I start thinking about things like that, and then maybe rhyming those. So anyway, I write the song, I think of like a fun prop to put in it, like a container of vitamins and an orange and made it put it out. It started blowing up so fast, I was freaking out, <laughs> freaking out. And one of the coolest things about TikTok is just how much creativity is uh, encouraged and how much inspiration there is there. I've actually had a few different producers and, you know, DJs make remixes of my raps. Wow. So, yeah. And so one of them is, is Wilson Malik. He usually does a remix of everyone. It's super cool. And then I found one that from this guy named Kevin and it, I could see it was like a video of his computer. So the audio wasn't super, super clear, but it was clearly a dance beat. And honestly, 90% of what I listen to is uh, dance pop, EDM, like house music. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I messaged him. I said, hey, the audio sounds great. Can you send it to me? He sends it to me. It's really good. So I tell him, hey, this is so good. Can we put this on Spotify? Thinking, thinking this guy with 40 TikTok followers is going to just say, oh, yes. Like, yeah. Wow. What a great opportunity. He replies. He says, hey, Sarah, I love that idea. But I'm actually signed with a record label, so I'm going to CC them on this and see what they think. <gasps> and I was like, what? <laughs> I'm available for that. <laughs> so I, I start emailing them. Um, and they're like, hey, we actually we think this is so fun. It's in line with our brand. Uh, let's have Kevin make it like more than a minute long, a full song. And, and they actually offered, um, they're like, we can release it under our label if you want, but it's probably faster. We want to get it out sooner, you know, if you do it through yours. And here's the cool thing. Their label was called Bring the Kingdom. And so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I, you know, I don't do research on record labels, really. But, you know, we start planning to release the song. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm looking up the label just out of curiosity. 
And I realized one of my favorite DJs is, or DJs or producers is under the label. His name is King Arthur or Royal King Arthur is his Instagram handle. And I follow him. And this guy has like 1.2 million Spotify listeners. Like I've seen, I've literally listened to his songs before. And then he direct messages me and he (laughs) says, like, what? He says, hey, so glad you're collaborating with Kevin. Like, that's so cool. Uh, Hey, are, are you from Indiana? I'm like, yes. It's like, I'm from Indiana. And so is the owner of the record label. And and then he said, also, do you love Jesus? I was like, what? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. Because I put that in my in my bio. And he said, haha, we all do. I was like, come to find this label. All these people I'm collaborating with are people who love dance music and Jesus. Like that's, that's my kind of people. I know. And I, I told him, I said, I'm laughing, right? I'm texting him or messaging him back. I'm laughing right now because that is so me. And then I actually got to join like, uh, like a zoom call thing they do where they fellowship together and they talk with people in the dance music industry. And it's literally just about Jesus on the call. Like it's not about networking at all. They were so kind, so easy to work with. Um, and now I've, I've never really, put any effort towards promoting my Spotify before other than now TikTok. And I have the most Spotify listeners I've ever had just from this vitamin C song. Yeah. Because I'm fangirl over Sarah and we were having this conversation about her being on my podcast. I was like, what are the chances you could do like a little rap for our truth for your twenties listeners. And to my happiness, Sarah said, I would love to, I'm on it. So if you were prepared, I would love my friend for you to share what you made up because I can't even wait. I'm so excited about it. Yay. Okay, cool. So the song that we talked about that I just wrote about my thing, yes. right? Okay, cool. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I hope you can like hear because I do my little beat thing. Is this okay? Is this? Yeah, yeah, okay? I got it. Yes. Okay. All right, here we got go. It. Let's talk for a minute. Can I have a word? I'm seeing limiting beliefs and I'm kind of concerned, but it's okay if you don't listen to me because I don't take myself that seriously because I'm aware that I'm deeply flawed, but so is everybody else. Thank God. Nobody's got it all figured out that I know of. Just got to give your best. You got to show up to whatever you were called to do. Don't got to let the negativity get to you because it doesn't really matter what the people say because people are thinking about themselves all day. So wherever you're at in your life, take a deep breath. Everyone's trying to find what they do best. Take all the pressure off and take a small step, changing your mind a lot, part of the process. And you don't really need a perfect plan. You just need to be willing to take a chance because a novel without a conflict is pretty boring. So get excited to write your story. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) I'm crying. (laughs) Thank you so much. Isn't she the best? And she wrote that rap for you guys, our listeners. And like I said, it was her very first podcast interview. And I'm just so honored. Love that girl. Okay, you guys, next is someone who also has truly, truly impacted my life. And you know, one of the blessings of having a podcast is you just get to meet really cool people. (laughs) And this really cool person in particular really helped me Gosh, through one of my most difficult seasons of life, and she didn't even realize it. When we first moved to Chattanooga, I experienced loneliness on a whole new level. Like I thought, oh, moving will be fine. It's not a big deal. I 
underestimated how difficult it is to make lasting friendships, how many surface level friendships I had that I just didn't realize before we moved, and how to do this thing called friendship well. And I heard Shasta Nelson, our fourth most downloaded episode last year on Jen Hatmaker's podcast, and I was like, oh my gosh, she her episode just changed my life. And I reached out to her and thankfully she said yes to come on the Truth For Your 20s podcast as well. And you're about to hear why this girl is so incredible. She has wrote three books on friendships. She knows her stuff and she's going to unpack why friendships matter and how to do them well. Here we go. Here's my interview with Shasta Nelson. Her episode is number 24, and we called it Friendships Don't Just Happen after one of her books on friendships. Here we go. When we had first moved up here to Chattanooga, as anyone, I guess, moves, at least from my experience, it's lonely at the beginning. And um, I heard, first heard you on the Gin Hatmaker podcast, and it was such a timely message for me because I had moved from a small town where, you know, we knew everyone. You, you, every time you went to the grocery store, you couldn't help but see two or three people you know. Hmm. And I would have told you I had a million friends. Hmm. But moving up here, I realized how surface level many of those friendships were because, you know, I just saw them on a regular basis, like you Mm -hmm, said. mm -hmm. And um, I think you mentioned there's different levels of friendships. And I want to ask you about that in a second. But what I didn't realize is, you know, moving up here, the first person you meet, you don't want to like cry on their shoulder and tell them how lonely you are. (laughs) But then those, what I didn't realize, pretty surface level friendships, you know, they they were kind people. And I'm, I'm sure they miss me, but they, they're doing their own thing and, they, and they're not worried that I'm up here lonely. You know what I mean? And so mm, when totally. I call them to cry my eyeballs out, they're like, yeah, well, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but what, what do you want me to do? I'm five hours away. So uh, anyway, I, I just was so timely for me to understand this level of friendships and what I've committed to do in our new chapter of life here is have to fewer but deeper friendships. So can you kind of unpack those levels of friendship and help us understand that better? Yeah, and there's so many ways we can look at this. Um, but in in what you're referring to, maybe it was, maybe it makes sense even one step before that to um, talk about like what is a friendship, because then I can maybe unpack that to the different yeah. levels a little bit. And before I even say that, I should just say yes, it is so hard when we move to a new area, and we all get that experience so 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 very much, and it is incredibly lonely. And and even the, even if we did have really 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 great friendships where we left. Um, most of them, we can't stay in touch with all of them and we, unless we want to be on the phone all the time, right? So there is going to be a, a big drop-off in the level of intimacy we have with people. And um, yeah, so it's that's the hard part. In fact, uh, science is showing we are replacing half our close friends every seven years. So uh, if you think about it, if you just kind of pause and think, who am I confiding in like right now? Who would I say are my closest friends? And um, and chances are, you know, so if you kind of think of three to five people that you feel the closest to or something, chances are high that you don't even know two or three of them, you know, seven years ago, or there are different people that you would have picked seven years ago. And chances are just as high that seven years from now will be a a, a little bit more some shift in there. So some people might be the same ones that we're in touch with, but half our friends we're replacing. So it does give a a little invitation (laughs) to all of us to like, yeah, keep making friends and uh, don't take personally and get too hurt by the fact that there is an ebb and a flow in our relationships. So yeah, what you experience is we, we get it, Katie. It's so hard. Even those, even those of us who are like 
consider ourselves good at making friends, it just takes a long time. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. hard. Yeah. Yeah. We yes. told you, oh, I'm friendly. It'll be fine that we move and we move. And I'm like, I'm so lonely. <laughs> it is. I know. That's how I opened my book. Friendships don't just happen. It's very similar. I was like, and it's, you know, it's one thing a couple months down the road where you can start saying, okay, I've got some people I can do stuff with, or I know people, but to actually get to the place where you have people that are as close to you and as say your go-to people that could almost rank as the same or higher than the people that used to be your best friend, you know, kind of like that exactly. takes a long, long time for most of us. It's a, uh, takes a lot of time. For sure. Uh, man, this good. I, my brain is going so many different directions. So let me come back to the yeah, definition okay. of friendship. <laughs> yeah. Let's define friendship. <laughs> so, um, so a, a friendship is any relationship where any two people both feel seen in a safe and satisfying way. And so we are looking, when we measure a relationship, we're measuring three things to determine how much these two people practice these three behaviors of friendship to uh, meet that definition. So in order for us to both feel seen, there has to be vulnerability on both sides. Vulnerability is how we get to know each other. It's the sharing of our stories. It's just basically getting a better feel for each other. It's where we feel like she gets me. Um, and so that happens over time when we reveal ourselves incrementally. So vulnerability is how we're both seen. If I'm not, if you're not asking me questions, if I'm not sharing myself, it doesn't matter how much of a good time we have, I won't ultimately feel seen by you and vice versa. Then it has to feel safe. We don't want to just be walking around being vulnerable and being seen. It needs to feel safe. And it feels safe when there's consistency. So the second requirement of friendship, uh, the first one is vulnerability. The second one is consistency. So consistency, I was referencing earlier, that's what happens when when we go to work with each other, when we're in college with each other, when we're roommates, there's this time that we're together. Consistent time, uh, our interaction is frequent, it's regular that we're seeing each other. We feel like there's a pattern to our relationship. The more pattern we have, whether that pattern is texting each other every day or checking or calling each other once a month or getting together every week for brunch, like whatever that pattern to that friendship is, uh, we feel safest in that relationship when there is a pattern, when there is a, a track record, when there's uh, interaction. And that is what kind of builds trust, honestly. So that's where we start having consistent behavior. When, we're, when we spend consistent time together, we start feeling like we can predict how you'll respond, which leaves us feeling safer. So um, the second requirement of all relationships is consistency. Uh, if we only meet once and have a good time, it's not a friendship. We have to repeat it over and over and over and over and over to build that friendship. So then if we want to feel seen, we're vulnerable. If we want to feel safe, it's consistency. And if it, we want it to feel satisfying, then it needs to have positivity. And positivity is not about only talking about positive things. It's not about being Pollyanna. It's not about not complaining or whining or venting, but it is about making sure that we both leave our interaction feeling better about who we are and about our lives. And so if we are getting together and um, feeling judged for anything, uh, we're going to be less likely to want to keep repeating that experience. Or um, if we get together and feel like we're just venting the whole time and complaining, but we go home and we're both kind of weary and exhausted, that doesn't feel good. So what we want science is showing us that we want to have at least five good feelings for every negative feeling. So every relationship is going to have its stressors. Like you're not always going to react the way I want you to and vice versa. And we're going to certainly annoy each other and not live up to each other's expectations all the time. But what we're going for in a friendship is we want it to feel rewarding. Like it does need to feel good. These are relationships we're choosing. We want to be in, we want to enjoy them and we want to feel, um, we want to feel like you love us. And so whether that's through laughter, through 
empathy, through gratitude, through words of affirmation, through hugs, through thoughtful gestures, through um, validating my feelings, through you know any of those things. Anything that leaves us feeling good is an act of positivity. So, in a nutshell, we are every friendship can be evaluated by how much positivity is present, how much consistency is present, and how much of vulnerability is present. And everything else that we think is friendship is an example of one of those three things. Uh, like when we say, I need somebody else who um, likes camping or something. No, you don't need somebody else who likes camping. You That's just how you enjoy pot, That's how you enjoy spending your time. So that's an act of consistency that you prefer, but that's not something you have to have in order to bond. Or if we say, um, I have to have somebody who's like this, um, everything else is like an illustration of one of these three things or an outcome of these three things. But those are the three things at the end of the day, when we look at all the science that what measures for healthy relationship, what bonds two people together, what makes for a healthy team, what makes for a healthy marriage, these are the three things that um, are present in all of those studies. Oh man, that's so good. And in the healthy friendships, those are all there. Of course, we're not checking the box, but those are all there. When you think about your healthiest friendships, yep, they, you know, there's vulnerability, there's consistency, and I feel good after I'm done hanging out with them. Exactly. I mean, I can pretty much guarantee all of us that you have never built a healthy relationship without these three things present. And conversely, any relationship in any of our lives right now that's not feeling as fulfilling as we want it to feel, it's because at least one of these three things is in lack. So you can look and say, oh yeah, I, every time I talk to her, I love it. Like the vulnerability's there. I, we both are really honest and it always feels good. But oh yeah, I only see her every three months. So that's yeah. the consistency's lacking. Or we can say, you know, oh yeah, we've, we're so... We are so consistent and it feels so good. Like we get together every month for book club or every week for girls night or all the like, and we have all these things that feel, but that's a social life if it's just consistency and positivity, but it lacks vulnerability where we actually feel like we're going deeper and being more known. And so you can start looking at any relationship that you wish were something a little bit more and you can probably start kind of identifying like, yeah, that relationship needs more vulnerability. (laughs) That one needs more consistency. That one needs more positivity. Uh, I hope Shasta just changed at least one more life out there like she did mine, especially in this weird time of not being able to see each other as much and we don't have that consistency as we normally do with this weird time that we find ourselves in. If you like this podcast, you would definitely love checking out my website. katiebulmer.life is where I have all of the good stuff I offer on the internet world housed in one location. So the online dating quizzes where over 3,000 of you have made a dating plan, it's on my website. I have my shop with Comfort Colors Tees and my book. By the way, use promo code TRUTH to get yourself 10% off there all the information you need to book me as a speaker, the link to my first mini digital course all about making a dating plan going into that further, and lots of other goodness. Also, my favorite things link. Check on that tab because all of the promo codes and discounts that I mentioned here on the podcast will be there under my favorite things. At the beginning of quarantine craziness, that was my first big project to have a total website overhaul. It got a facelift. I'm pretty proud of the way it looks. So go check it out, katiebulmer.life. And thanks for stopping by. All right, coming in at number three, our third most downloaded episode of 2020 is my interview with Kate 
Warman. Kate is the brainchild behind the heart of dating. She is a dating coach. She, God, I love this girl. You definitely need to follow her on Instagram. And she spits some truth when it comes to singleness and what that stage looks like, what it can look like. She gives some incredible advice. So I'm just going to let her get after it because she even said like, I don't know what got into me that day, but I was on fire and she truly was. I can't wait for you guys to hear this one. This is episode number 23 and we call it interview with a dating coach. A lot of times in the single stage, a lot of girls are like rushing to the next step. You know, I I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to, for kids and all that stuff. And that is a beautiful Mm -hmm. stage, but so is the single stage. So as someone who has, you know, studied this and lived in this, how can you kind of help and encourage our single ladies? So I hear it. And I think that we have to get on the other side of seeing singleness as a disease. I think a lot of times we're like, oh my gosh, this is a season that I need to end as soon as possible. And if we have that mentality, it's going to suck, basically. It really will. So if you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. comparing myself at once I see someone else getting engaged or this relationship didn't pan out and now my singleness sucks. Like, no, we need to flip that. Like, I think so many things in our life is all about how we see it and the mentality we choose to have because no one makes us and forces us into a mentality. We have control over our thoughts. Nobody else does. So if we are hating our singleness, if we are really worn out in this season, we actually have to take ownership of that. And there's a beauty when we can start seeing, you know what? Singleness is not a disease. Let me first start by going to God's word about what he says about singleness. And obviously we can all quote 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 35, you know, and and Paul's talking about how incredible singleness is. And really what he says in verse 35 is, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And I think that a lot of times we read like this you know, these verses in Corinthians and we're like, ah, but okay, like we hear you, Paul. But I honestly think that we can look at this and say, wow, that this is incredible. Like I get to be free of anxieties in this season. I don't really have to worry about a lot, but myself and getting myself right with God and doing things that I love and serving the kingdom in really big ways. Like I don't have to have the anxieties of a family and taking care of children. And I don't have to have the limitations of thinking about everyone else's schedule. Like we have the gifts of freedom and time and there's a lot less anxiety within that. Not that there is an anxiety with work and with situations, but there's just a little bit less than having all the responsibilities of being a parent or even a wife. And that is a gift. Once I start realizing, whoa, this is incredible actually. Um, And for all the girls listening that, yeah, they might be getting married young. Like I'm not going to dog on anybody getting married young. That's totally, if that's God's will for you, amazing. But I will tell you what, there is a huge blessing to also figuring yourself out in your 20s. Like I look back at my age from 20 to 30 and I'm like, whoa, that is where God transformed me, where I found out way deeper who God was, where I found out way deeper who I was, truly worked through all the lies I believed about myself and, and and found freedom and healing and wholeness. And I am so glad I had those years in my 20s specifically to figure those things out so that I didn't have to painfully figure it out in marriage. Because I'll tell you what, I have friends that got married and they have great marriages today, but they've told me like, my gosh, like if I wish I had worked through some of these things before I got married, to be honest, because it was 
way more of a struggle to, to work through these things with my husband yeah. than if I had gone and sought some of these healing, sought some of the healing or sought through working through the lies I believed about myself instead of hoping that my husband would fill those voids, right? Because it's never going to be able to do that. Um, so so much self-reflection in this time, so much freedom that we get and flexibility. Oh my goodness. And then I would say what is so beautiful about this time too, is just really like it says in Corinthians, undivided devotion to the Lord, being able to grow in God, be godly. I mean, when we are trying to live like disciples of Christ, Jesus was single. And I'm like, I want to be as great as as Jesus like as I possibly can, you know, especially in my singleness years, because I want to be able to bring that into my marriage and into eventually motherhood. So why don't I try to form as many disciplines in my life as possible to understand God's heart? Like, you know, when we get married, when we have kids, we won't have as, quite as much time to read the devotionals that we want to read or the Bible quite as much. Yeah. Not that it's impossible, but right now I have the freedom and the time to be able to do that. And everybody listening saying, well, I'm busy. I'm busy with school. I'm busy with work. You still can have time. <laughs> like You still can make, we choose the way yeah. we spend our time. And um, I, I think it's great. Live a full, vibrant life in your singleness, but don't do it outside of figuring out what you're passionate about, spending time with God, growing and understanding who you are. Like Be proactive in those areas right now. It's a gift. I mean, I'm on fire right now talking about it, Katie, because I love this season more than anything. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're my favorite. Okay. So talk to me about the line, you complete me, or I need a guy to fill my broken places or, or when I find a boyfriend, then I will, you know what I'm talking like, tell me, talk to me about that one. Yes. And this is all like the whole quote unquote soulmate thing. Like I just, okay, there, we are not two half people coming together to create like a full whole thing. We are supposed to be two whole people fully autonomous with our own life, with our own souls, with our own relationship with God, with our own mission that God has put in our heart outside of the other person coming together to then join forces to build something even greater for the kingdom. That is the ultimate goal, right? And so um, I think that, you know, within that, like I just said, if we break it down, you're a person with your own relationship with God. Continue in your own relationship with God. Grow in God. Grow in godliness. But also, with your own life, AKA live your life, girl. I mean, I'm planning a, a trip to the South of France in the spring and I would love to go there with a the man because I know it's going to be romantic and beautiful and just um, amazing. But like, I want to do that now and I can go again with a spouse. That's going to be great. And hopefully, and I pray I'm going to just going to claim it right now. Yes, I will do that, but I'm not going to stop yeah. living my life <laughs> waiting for something for God to deliver on that promise. I know he's going to. I really feel that in my heart through confirmation and prayer. But I don't know the exact timing of when, but I know that God isn't calling me to just not do anything. It's basically the similar thing with why I tell people also this whole waiting to date, like waiting on God. If we're waiting so much and not being active, then nothing's going to happen. We need to be active in this process as well. Um, yeah. But we cannot idolize this dream, idolize it and make it so much so that like I'm going to stop living and doing incredible things and I'm going to stop letting God use me to do incredible things until I find 
find a husband. You know, like this is why I'm so passionate about single women, even in ministry, because you don't see it as often or single men in ministry. I think it's so incredible. We often see just the powerhouse married couple together. And now that I am a single woman in ministry, I'm like, wow, there's something actually so beautiful about this and kind of breaking the barrier that it's not just you need a husband to then create a ministry, right? You can actually be used so huge it right now in your singleness. And I think that I'm just excited to see the tides changing as I see more singles rise up in ministry. Um, but I'm I'm really passionate about that. And I am so also about like ministries together as a couple. But I think that we, God has created us with a vision and a purpose. It is in the DNA of your being. Go after it. Do not wait. Did Jesus wait? If Jesus had waited till he was married, nothing would be going on right now. Like, would we even all be Christians? Like, you know, like, because he would, I mean, he did this all in his singleness year. So I just think that don't let this dream of being married one day stop you from doing the things on your heart. And here, if you want to be a mother, I hear a lot of women saying this, but I want to be a mother and this is just not happening. Then find ways to be mothering in your life right now. Mother a younger person. If you are in your 20s, mother a high school student, right? Mentor somebody, be motherly to somebody in your life. If you want romance, then romance yourself. Like take yourself out on dates, romance your friends, write a great love letter of affirmation to a best friend of yours. You know, uh, allow those elements. Don't just starve your life of these amazing things you feel like you desire. Do them right now. I think that we can take ownership of the fact that we can actually provide ourselves with so many of the things we're desiring. (laughs) I know. I told you it was good. Somebody needs to hear that again. It's episode 23. You can just go to Spotify or iTunes and scroll back and you can find the whole episode there. By the way, I have all of the show notes on my website. So if you go to katiebulmer.life, you'll click on the link for a podcast. And there's a handy little thing that has pictures of all the episodes in a short blurb about what we talked about, links to their Instagrams, their books, all of that kind of stuff. So just want to make sure you don't miss all of the good stuff. Okay, drum roll, please. Our second place or first runner up. Funny story, I legit just hit pause and Googled that because I don't know the difference. (laughs) Second runner up or first runner up or second place or whatever we want to call it is Deborah Fietta, episode 33. And this was Relationships Questions Answered because that is what Deborah does. She is a counselor, a relationship counselor, a marriage counselor a lot of times. Her Instagram, you guys, I legit have to hold myself back on not sharing almost every quote that she puts on there. And I do share a lot of them because they are so good. She is spot on when it comes to marriage, when it comes to dating, relationships, becoming whole, becoming, you know, a good partner before you dive back into dating. She, she's incredible. And that's what we're going to talk about. She's going to spit out some incredible relationship advice. She is the author of True Love Dates and Love in Every Season. Here we go. A clip from my episode 33 with Deborah Fietta of True Love Dates. The first sentence of the book is, it wasn't love at first sight. And I'm talking about my relationship with my husband because him and I had completely different experiences when we first met each other. 
And I, I, I love that we had different experiences because it's such a great teaching opportunity just to show that, you know, my, when I met my husband, I literally did not look at him and think there's the man I'm going to marry. Yeah. I thought to myself, why would anyone wear a long sleeve shirt with shorts? That just does not work. <laughs> like that was my first thought. Yeah. And when he met me, he looked at me and he thought to himself, there's something about this girl. I just have this feeling that I am going to marry her. So he had this insane feeling and I had this extremely superficial feeling, but it didn't matter what we believed. It didn't matter if I believed there was such thing as one person out there for me, or if there wasn't one such thing as one person out there for me. We both believe different things. John probably would say he believes more and that there's one person out there for you. I would say I believe less. You know, I, I kind of see it as, well, there's so many different people we could marry and we're responsible for making a wise marital choice. Like God gives us the wisdom to do that. But either way, it didn't matter what we believed because what we had to do next was the same. We had to pass through what I call the four seasons of a relationship, spring, summer, fall, and winter. And every season that you walk through in a relationship reveals to you more and more about the health of the relationship and whether or not the relationship is going to be a good fit for you. I'll just give you those briefly, but like spring is the season when attraction is blossoming and and affection is blooming. Spring is the season where you've got to plant good seeds because it, what, what you plant in the season of spring of the relationship is going to be the fruit that ends up coming out in the season of fall during the harvest. So you've got to be deliberate about those early, that early stage of a relationship to make sure you're planting the right things. You know, spring is a season of growth. And so there's a lot of things you need to be doing in that season. And then you move into the season of summer and summer is a season of intimacy. It's the season when things begin to get hot and you start shedding your layers and revealing a little bit more about who you are. And, and, and so in the season of summer, a couple has to work on their intimacy emotionally emotionally and their intimacy spiritually and their intimacy physically. So we've got to kind of check off those things and see how those things are going in the relationship. And then you move into the season of fall and fall is the season when your true colors start to shine through and you realize you're two different people with two different family of origin backgrounds, two different expectations, personalities, like you bring so many differences to the table of a relationship and in the season of fall, you got to get really good at understanding how to take conflict and use it to better your relationship instead of pulling you apart. So, so fall is really the season where we assess a couple's conflict and communication and how well they're doing in those things. And then the season of winter is the last season. And I always say winter is the season of comfort and familiarity. Like, like if, if, if some, if spring is the season where you're making out winter tends to be the season where you're making runs to home Depot instead of making out like things change, you know, and, and it's a great season because there's so much comfort between people in that season. But that comfort and familiarity, if you're not careful, can turn into something that I call the frost of apathy, the slow cooling of a relationship where all of a sudden you lose your intention, you lose your desire, you lose your, your, the, the, the ability to just put in the work that it takes. And so, so what I end up doing is kind of walking the couple through each season and seeing what can we do here? What can we do in each 
season that's going to strengthen your relationship overall. Because usually the people that are the most stuck in winter, they've lost the feelings, they've lost the love, they feel like they're frozen over. Usually they're the couples who have not gone through spring, summer, and fall in a healthy way. And now they're in like a severe winter. So we kind of start from square one and kind of walk through some of these main concepts and, and how they play out in the relationship. Once you say I do, they become the one and that's the bottom line. And the, the, the opposite end of this theory is when people come to me in counseling and they say, I think I chose the wrong one. I think I didn't hear God's will. I must have chosen the wrong one. And so that's where, that's where this mentality can be harmful is when we then say, well, if there is such thing as the one and I chose the wrong person, I got to find the right person. But no, once you say I do, you have chosen the one, like there's no more, there's no more to it than that. Um, and our responsibility is to make a wise choice and, and make sure we're choosing somebody who's a good match for our lives. Okay, legit, make sure you are following her on Instagram because her quotes are, I know I told you at the beginning, uh, you heard her. You heard how great she is. You heard her wisdom. Her quotes are incredible. And definitely check out her books too. Okay, you guys, you have heard the top four episodes of 2020 on the Truth For Your 20s podcast, but here we go. Dun, da dun. <laughs> I should be an intro music writer. Not really. Okay. Our number one download, and actually this was number one by far, not even close, is episode 29. A former Miss Texas and Major League Baseball player discuss waiting for marriage and finding each other. This incredible couple, I have the pleasure of actually calling friend now. We have since this episode and since quarantine really have become really good friends. We have partnered together with her jewelry line, Elevari Jewelry. You should definitely check it out. And her and her husband have gotten married since this episode. They got married in July and really, truly love her heart. Her passion is just to help young women, you know, see the beauty in waiting for marriage and her husband as well. And, and just their testimony, you know, this isn't like we're better. This is just, we did this counterculturally, even though we were ridiculed on national TV. Angela was the winner of a reality show and ridiculed on national TV for her decision to wait for marriage. Carson, the same way, um, as a major league baseball player, but Gosh, you guys, their story is so beautiful. I love this couple, and I know that you guys will too. Make sure you check out the full episode. It is 29, and here we go. Like, we both grew up in Texas, right? Like, and it, around a ch going to church every week and around people where waiting for marriage is just like, oh, okay, like, yeah, that's your choice. But when I went to LA, it was kind of the first time that I was put in an area where not everyone thought the same about religion or faith. Maybe they don't even believe in God. Maybe they think it's ridiculous. And I remember one of the producers was like, wait, have you ever dated before? If you've never like had sex or I, I don't get it. Like, did God, do you go out with guys? They like look at you. It's like alien talk. Right. And I just, for that was the first time I remember, I remember that moment. I still visualize it in my head where it was like, okay, this is a moment where you either kind of say to yourself, 
no, this is what I believe and I'm not going to be ashamed or you're going to kind of just water the message down. Right. Like I had that moment and it was, you know, embarrassing for like 0.5 seconds. I was like, Oh my gosh. Then I thought, you know what? No, like this is what I believe. And I really, it was amazing. Just the support that moment happened when there was a live audience, when I was kind of questioned about my stance and, you know, I, it was kind of mixed to be honest, but there was overall people were like, wow, you know, we, we really respect that. That's your stance, but it was definitely weird to be in a situation, which I think we can all face this, right. Where maybe we grow up in a certain home or environment, but if you're put in a completely new environment, I think that's really moments for personal growth and also just awareness and ways that we can say like, I believe this because of this. It's not just kind of like, oh, I believe this because this is what like I grew up in. So it was very interesting. And I think Carson's had experiences with his faith and wait, you know, talking about waiting in unique ways too, because he was around people that didn't grow up in the same environment as he did as well. So I think we both have kind of had those experiences. Yeah, Carson, I know that you, you've you also waited to marriage and you guys just have such a beautiful story. But tell us why you came to that decision and, you know, similar upbringing, um, pressures, all that kind of stuff that you faced. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of wide ranging. Um, so I'll start with, I'll start with why, why I think I started to kind of um, develop the, the beliefs that I did. And, and again, that brings me back to growing up in a little private Christian school where, of course, when you're in like fifth and sixth grade, that's probably, you know, when conversations about um, relationships and opposite sex start to happen. And I, I remember very vividly a gentleman coming to speak at our high school or high school, but um, I was in elementary or middle school at the time. And I remember him just being a, a very vibrant speaker, a very passionate guy. And he just straight up called out men. And he was like, you know what? He was like, I don't, I don't understand what our culture thinks of as masculinity. Now he's like, I don't, I don't understand why guys think that going out and conquering women is what makes you a man. And like flexing your muscles on people is what makes you a man. He's like, I don't, I don't get it. He's like, you know what? Dogs run around and have sex with each other. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't make you a man at all. It makes you an animal, if anything. Like that, that has nothing to do with what makes you human. And so I was like, whoa, okay. That's, it kind of hit me and made me think like, okay, you know what? That's, that's right. And um, like, what does make us special? Like what makes being a man special? And so as a, as a little kid, it kind of planted a seed in me. And then as I, as I got older and kind of got to put that into more context and kind of started thinking, okay, like, well, well, what does, what does make a man then? And so I kind of just probably from formulating it from a bunch of other people that are way smarter than I am and just decided that, you know what, I think one of the things that makes a man is, um, refraining from causing harm to people when you're capable of it. And I think, I think that can take a lot of forms. Um, it can take physical form. Um, I think, I think it takes, I think it's a much more, manly decision to refrain from physically hurting somebody than actually, you know, being that bully or being the the bigger athlete that hits somebody and everybody's like literally afraid of. I don't think that makes 
anybody a man at all. I think if anything, that makes people insecure and cowardly. But but anyway, so it can take physical form or it can take emotional form or verbal form. So I kind of took that idea of refraining from causing harm into how I'd approach dating. And so actually, I don't believe I took a girl on more than three dates other than Angela. Um, so I never really had a girlfriend um, until <laughs> until I was like 28. Which I was like, wait, what? Are you crazy behind the scenes? Like, you've never had a girlfriend. <laughs> but now that I know him, I totally it totally makes sense. But at first, I thought that was bizarre. Yeah, she totally thought I was lying on her first date. And <laughs> I don't think she really I don't think she really believed what I was saying or who I was for about five months either. Yeah, she, I was like, are you a closet psycho? I don't know. Hold on. Yeah, I think I think in our relationship, I told her that I didn't have doubts about her within, gosh, like two months or less. And well, what happened is we're at New Year's and I was like being cute at midnight. I was like, what's your resolution? He's like to be engaged. And that was after two months. And I was like, wait, to me? <laughs> And I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. I and after like five months, he's like, "Are you waiting for me to do something crazy?" And I was like, "Yes, like this is too good to be true here." But yeah, and I was like, "Babe, we can just sit here and just wait for the calendar to pass, but like nothing's gonna change." So <laughs> this I, is I adorable. Y'all are the best. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. Um, and so I guess I'll I'll fast forward to um to getting into the. Um, professional baseball world. And uh, obviously that's kind of when I was kind of released into the wild. And I guess you could say from going from a tiny little private Christian school to going to a situation where you're around a bunch of ego driven young guys that have been successful to this point in their life. And a lot of them were just given a ton of money. And so you do have kind of this like perfect concoction of just terrible egotistic behavior that's kind of unruly. And, um, so that was kind of a, a wake up call, I guess, um, being exposed to all that. And I think I was just fortunate enough to have a, a very strong background, um, in my faith and kind of understand what I wanted long-term. And so yes, it was getting exposed to it for the first time, but it really wasn't, um, anything that was going to change my uh, opinions. And it it actually kind of helped me develop, I guess, a a reason for why I I wanted to wait for marriage other than um, just biblical reasons. Because when you're in an environment like that, when guys are um, very arrogant and from all over the world and think that they're the answer to everything, um, nobody, if you present them an argument that's biblically based nobody, nobody cares. It's automatically like shut off. They don't listen to it at all. But when you explain to them that, okay, yes, I came from a broken home. My parents were divorced in middle school and I wanted to do everything that I possibly could to experience everything with one woman. And, um, whether that's different aspects of dating, physical aspects, um, emotional commitments, those types of things. When I told them that I I wanted to fully commit as much as I could to one person and wanted to have um, as strong a marriage as possible. And 
then they're like, okay, you know, I, I kind of get that. I respect that. They go from, dude, you're weird to, okay, no, I, I respect that. Um, so it actually kind of made me formulate, I guess, better understanding of, of why I believed what I did and other angles of communicating it to people. So it was actually, actually probably helpful. And then I, I think another part of your question was like, were you ever ridiculed, whatever? I think one interesting story, this is probably something that not many people know, but um, when you go from the minor leagues and get called up to the big leagues on your first road trip, when you go from the airport to the hotel, you're on the team bus. And it's a tradition that basically you go through a rookie initiation and the veterans call you up to the front of the bus. They give you the mic and then either one, two, or a few of the veterans just drill you with questions and you have to answer embarrassing questions up at the front of the bus. You have to sing songs and tell jokes. This is like initiation uh, to a fraternity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's ex- like exactly. I mean, it's, it's not tough, but they just yeah. try to make it fun and it's never really harmful to anybody. Anyway, of course, one of the first couple questions is, all right, tell us about your first experience having sex. Oh my I was like, oh, I was like, well, y'all are going to hate me for this. Said what you want to hear, but uh, I decided to wait for marriage. And they're like, ah, okay. Like, how long you been married? And I was like, uh, I'm single. And they're like, what? <laughs> hold on. <laughs> he said the and, whole bus went nuts. And so the guy asking the questions goes, hold on, hold on. So you're telling me you're a virgin? And I was just like, yeah. And everybody just stood up and everybody – had drinks and everybody stood up and just started screaming F you F that and started throwing stuff at me, anything that they had like food or drinks, whatever it was like, it was literally like the, the movie where you see somebody on stage at a nightclub and they're doing some kind of comedy routine and everybody boos them and throws drinks at them. Um, it was, it was literally like that on a bus. And so I, I had just gotten called up to join this team and, um, that was kind of my first, experience speaking in front of the team but i don't know it was expected it wasn't wasn't a big deal and i mean it didn't didn't hurt in any way it was kind of like okay whatever everybody knows now and this is cool it's it's over with but what was cool was when i was walking all the way back to the back of the bus where the young guys have to sit i sat down and one guy that was uh seated like one seat back from me he was like hey man he was like i had to do the same thing like two years ago he was like i waited and um, he told me his story and, um, it was, it was really cool. Like nobody really stands up to say that out loud, but when I went, went back and sat down, he was like, okay, you know what? I did the same thing. And then, um, the next day when we're stretching before practice, one of the veterans that's, there was a really well-respected guy on the team, uh, came up to me and he was like, Hey man, he's like, I'm proud of you. I did the same thing. Wow. Uh, so it was cool. There were, there were actually like three guys that I knew of on, on that roster that had made that same decision to wait for marriage. And it's just, it's something that people don't speak out about much. So if you were to ask me if 10% of guys in the MLB waited for marriage, I would have said absolutely not. Um, but on our team it was, so it's not as, as rare as people think. Um, so if you're out there like, Oh my gosh, do, do those people exist? Like, if a young girl sitting there going like, do guys like that exist? Well, there were three on my team of 30 people. So it's not that it's not that uncommon as we might think. 
And those are the jewels. Those are, you know, when we save ourselves, it's more rare and it's more more sacred, you know? And I think it's such a beautiful thing. And um, when you were talking about, you know, that you hadn't dated before, it made me think how all the time I talk to young women about how we want to be seen. Every girl wants to be seen. And Carson, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I assume guys as well. But women want to be seen as their their guys one and only. Like I am the definition of beauty for you. I am like I am your girl and no one wants to be compared, you know, well she's prettier than my ex or she's smarter or she's not as whatever. You don't want to be compared to a bunch of ex-lovers. But we somehow get it wrong in our brain and people think they have to have lots of experience, quote. You know, I always say when I do my talk to sororities, I say no one wants to hear Hey, babe, I'm a sex expert. <laughs> like, gross. Like, there's, right. there's no prizes for that. But what is a million times more attractive is I've like gone through people throwing stuff at me on the bus. I've gone through temptation and I want all of me for all of you. Like, that is like the ultimate in romance. And I cannot wait to see pictures of your wedding day. <laughs> and now you can see pictures of her wedding day. Follow Angela on Instagram at meet Angela Blair. And gosh, I just love them. I love this conversation. And I am so thankful for each and every one of you. As I am recording this, we are just at 37,000 downloads. And that means you are listening, you are liking it, you are sharing it, you are coming back. And that means the world to me. This episode especially is a great one to share because this is kind of like a sampler so I would love it if you would take a screenshot and share this on your social. Give me a tag at Katie Bulmer Life or at Truth For Your 20s Podcast and we will share as well. It was such an honor and a privilege to hang out with you in your earbuds in 2020 and I hope to also hang out with you again in 2021. As always, my DMs are always open, so hang out with me over on Instagram. Let me know what you want to hear more of on the podcast in 2021 because I'm always working hard behind the scenes to bring you the best available truths for your 20s. Happy New Year's, you guys.